Round one of the 2022 IndyCar season is in the books from the streets of St. Petersburg. We've got plenty to get into here on the IndyCar Show, BurnoutSports.com. Tony Donahue from a luxurious Airbnb in St. Petersburg, Florida. Luke Edwards back holding things down in Indianapolis. Scott McLaughlin gets his first career win on the streets of St. Petersburg, Florida. He is the third driver in IndyCar history to pick up their first career win at St. Pete. Luke, what a weekend it was and what a win. It's always good to see a first-time winner to kick off the season. Well, last week we were talking about would we see a first-time race winner? Um, and we also talked about McLaughlin a lot too and where he was sitting with his role in Penske going into his second year. Um, I think what an exciting race. I mean, when it comes down to the wire like that against the defending champion and it's a first-time winner, Roger Penske back in victory lane again. Can't beat it. How was the weather down there, though? Uh, the weather was good. I got a little scorched on Friday uh, and had to double up on the sunblock the rest of the weekend. So I'll be coming home uh, with a nice tan. Uh, and we'll get into a little bit more just being at St. Pete and what that was like. Uh, Roger Penske, pretty good seven days for the team. Brings two new first-time winners to the victory circle. Obviously, last week, Daytona 500, Austin Cedric wins. Um, but max points for Scott McLaughlin this weekend. You win the pole, lead laps, and then, uh, you know, he was talking a little bit. It took a lot of patience because he had been waiting to have a chance to win his first career race. Obviously, last year, as you've pointed out, Texas was his best run. Uh, and, but then the way that the caution fell today, right around lap 22, 23, kind of shuffled the field, and he found himself with a very fast car uh, in the middle of the field. Obviously worked his way back up to the victory. But, yeah, like you said, very interesting finish. Alex Pillow was charging. Will Power finishes uh, with a very impressive third-place finish. We'll get into that as well. Colton Herta and Roman Grosjean rounding out your top five uh, outside of the win for Scott. Anything else really impress you coming out of today's IndyCar race? I think just seeing the strategy of Team Penske was uh, thoroughly impressive. Um, we saw some other teams, I guess, kind of the opposite. We saw some disappointments that we'll get into later. But that uh, that tire strategy of stretching out the blacks, I think, was just incredible. Uh, Will Power, kudos to him and his team as well, getting the podium finish. Two Team Penske cars on the podium. Um, for a while there, I really thought the three stoppers were going to have it until we hit that halfway point. Um, McLaughlin just impressed me with his poise. He didn't set a foot wrong the entire event, the entire race weekend, until after he uh, crossed the finish line <laughs> in victory circle. He had a little misstep, but at that point, it doesn't matter. Um, I think we we kind of were looking for this the whole year last year, and then he impressed us on a big super speedway on a high banked oval, and now he's getting his footing again. This is a, a rough and tumble street circuit. It's elbows out racing. He comes from that kind of background in supercars. Um, I don't know what changes that they made, but he is definitely comfortable in that car. And I think that this is not the last we're going to see of him in 2022. I think it's the first time that that three car has won since Iowa back in 2017 with Elio Castroneves. Yeah, I mean, I was impressed all weekend and I thought, okay, he qualified on the pole and we see it. We've seen it last year. We've seen a lot of the last couple of years. Somebody qualifies on the pole, but next thing you know, they're falling back to fifth, sixth, seventh spot. Uh, that only happened during the cycle of pit stops. So I was very impressed, just like you said, with his poise. Um, I was in the press conference after the race, and 
Uh, he was ecstatic, and he mentioned, he goes, you know, I fell on my ass a little bit embarrassing. I looked like a wombat, but it was it was a lot of fun. And then he did a shoey, which uh, if I was sweaty and uh, overheated walking around and being in the bleachers today at St. Pete, uh, doing uh, shotgunning a beer out of your, your boot that you just raced 100 straight laps in, uh, I would never recommend that. But, you know, you only win one race. You only win your first career race one time. So I'm sure he'll be out on the streets of St. Pete downtown area tonight um, celebrating that. Renus VK, we saw him kind of get a, a up to the front. Uh, great start for him. We got up to the third third place. And then with the pit stop cycling, he ended up leading some laps, but just kind of faded there late. But again, an impressive sixth place finish. Graham Rahal finishes seventh with, with Scott Dixon, Marcus Erickson, and Takuma Sato rounding out your top ten. I thought Sato had a had a good weekend, despite the fact that let's go back to, I believe it was Friday's practice, uh, when him and Roman Grosjean had a little bit of an incident. Uh, to me, it looked like Grosjean was the blame there. You've got four cars in front of you. Uh, regardless of if you're on your, you know, your, your banker qualifying lap, what they like to say, you got four cars stacking up in front of you. It's a very tight track. Uh, I obviously saw that in person today, but I, I, I thought Grosjean could have slowed down a little bit, and he had to have seen those cars. It was a full straightaway ahead, uh, so just a mistake there. But I thought Sato and, and and Grosjean bounced back nicely to get a top five and a top ten. Yeah, any time that you're entering your first race, um, yeah, kudos to Sato. Going to Dale Coyne, who's um, he's always had this kind of mark on him, like he's underfunded, but he definitely puts the resources that you need to win a race in IndyCar. Um, he had the champ Sebastian Bourdais run for him for a long time, and he was out there giving some driver coaching, um, which wasn't apparently he wasn't contracted to do that. So you had a good, uh, you had some good morale. It looked like floating around, or I'm sorry, he was he was out with um, Foy. Excuse me. Um, but anyway, yeah, back to Dale Coyne. Sato gets his first top 10 in his first race with them at St. Pete. Um, I think that's something that they're going to need to build on. It's going to be interesting to see how they play out. Um, Sato has a lot of experience jumping from team to team. He's gone to Foyt. He's been with Andretti. He's won the Indy 500 twice within, uh, what is it, three or five years with two different teams. Um, yeah, so I think that was good. Roman Grosjean. One of the biggest stories, I think, coming in, you had a, a second-year guy going to his second team in IndyCar, and it's a big-name team, big-name sponsor that uh, Ryan hunter Ray carried into the sport and has had on his brand for a long time. And, uh, yeah, a top five for Grosjean, it's not bad. Uh, he didn't lead any laps, but he was in the hunt the whole day. Colton Herta was very impressive, I thought, as well. Uh, very unfortunate that they did not get all the fuel in during that one pit stop. I don't know if that was human error or mechanical error. Um, you know, it's just a matter of a millisecond, sometimes just fractions of a second in those pit stops because they're cutting the strategy so close. And unfortunately, we didn't get to see him go 100% at the end of the race. He had to conserve a lot of fuel. You could hear him rolling out of the throttle going into the corners. So, um what are your thoughts on uh, on Pelot's drive? I thought that was really good as well. He had a little help from a teammate, it looked like, at the end. Mm -hmm. Well, so that I've got three parts to go off of what you said. One, first of all, you know, we can sit here like we have and talked about how popular Grosjean is and what he brings. Uh, yes, to yesterday and today, the, the paddock was incredibly packed, full of people 
Um, I think they put 140,000 people or so. Nathan Brown from the Indy Star had it through the gates this weekend. After the race, you know, before the race, but after the race, there was I, I posted a picture, a swarm of people around Grosjean. And he was so gracious after a long day running, you know, 100 laps at St. Pete, finishing top five. And you, he couldn't even move. He could not. He had to turn off of his his power scooter um, and just was like, all right, I'm going to stop and talk to these people. And, and that's what he did. So that was that was really cool and impressed me as well. Um, you know, the thing with Sato is guys like him and Marcus Erickson, remember Marcus Erickson wins two races last year, but, but it was really Mr. Consistent. He was a model of consistency and McLaughlin brought this up in the press conference. I think the average finish for the champion last year, Alex Pillow is 7.1. So, um, you know, he said, you know, to win a championship, when you've got a seventh place car, you take seventh place. When you get an opportunity to win, like we had this weekend, you got to pounce on it. Um, Pillow did get a little bit of help. And we can, we, we can dive right into this. Will Power was very upset by uh, Jimmy Johnson and Devlin DeFrancesco there late in the race towards the end. Uh, for those that weren't watching, Jimmy Johnson was laps down uh, off the pace, uh, but kind of held up the leader a little bit to help his teammate Pillow, which there is a strategy that goes into that. And I, I totally understand that. Uh, but towards the end of the race, you know, when there's there's three or four laps left to go, um I don't know. You don't really get rewarded for for finishing on the lead lap or not, or if you're a lap down. I know you want to have that stat at the end of the year that you completed all the laps, but if a driver like Devlin DeFrancesco or Jimmy Johnson is, is kind of in the way, which 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 Devlin seemed to be there late in, in the going, IndyCar has to do a better job of, of blue flagging that driver out of the way. Will Power had some very strong words to say uh, in the post-race press conference today. We had that on BurnoutSports.com. There's a video if you would like to check that out. Um, the first one was Jimmy Johnson wasn't racing for the podium. Uh, he sure acted like that. He was late in the race. We need to have a blue flag rule. We tell IndyCar this every time, and they don't listen. Uh, so I don't know what can be done besides the fact that uh, you just got to move those guys out of the way, and they have to... Um, when they see that blue flag to get out of the way, they have to abide by that uh, because you would hate – it's just going to end awfully if somebody that's in the back that's three or four seconds off the pace ends up knocking a driver out of contention for the win. So I don't know if you pay too much attention to that at the end, but that was certainly something that Will Power was very, very vocal about in the post-race, mentioned it multiple times. Uh, Johnson was the only one that he mentioned by name. But I guess it was mentioned in the driver's meeting a few times, like, hey, we kind of know that people who are going to be riding around in the back and we get it, but pretty much get the hell out of the way when we get to you. I know you want to stay in the lead lap, but uh, Power went on to to mention, no, well, he was probably trying to get more um, ad revenue and, and time for Carvana there towards the end. So um, some strong words uh, by Will Power uh, in that post-race presser. But, but, but overall, a really good day for Team Penske finishing one and three, Luke. Uh, my bets didn't do very well. My fantasy team wasn't very well, but uh, that's kind of how it goes in, in in week one. But 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 your thoughts just on on drivers being a little bit off the pace towards the end of a race, and basically, for lack of a better term, getting the hell out of the way, like Will Power mentioned. Yeah, I think um, I think that some of that anger probably stems from the pomp and circumstance and the fanfare that's been around Jimmy Johnson coming into IndyCar because the sport, the series, is very excited to have such an incredible name with such a big following come over here. Um, 
one of the things that we need to see happen is Jimmy Johnson needs to pick up the pace, uh, quite frankly, on these street courses. Um, we, we saw him do a little bit better on the road course at Indy last year and be a little bit more on pace. Again, it was not only him, but it was also uh, DeFrancesco, the Andretti car, um, who wasn't really uh, didn't really have a dog in that fight to help out, didn't have a wingman. But he was spinning his tires trying to stay in the lead lap. I believe it was uh, after they dispatched of Jimmy Johnson. And it was the same thing. They showed the blue flag on a couple of occasions. One of the things that I heard, though, um, was when the leaders caught up to Jimmy while he was still in the lead lap, he increased his pace by a full second. So I don't know if that was kind of where the stewards were like, okay, well, if he's maintaining pace, then we have to let him race to stay on the lead lap. I tend to agree. Um, it's really more of an opportunity to show like your team's character and how, the, how they're going to call a race, your sportsmanship. If the series, you know, I don't want to see them get too involved, you know, to the point that we're in some weird Formula One level of uh, scrutineering. But I definitely agree that could have uh, made for a very, very bad end result um, in a, on a street course like we saw in practice with a few incidents. There's no room for error. So when you start mixing up a back marker with a race for the win in the last 10 laps, you don't want to see two or three of those guys end up in the fence. Um, that's not what the fans paid to see. Everybody wanted to see a race to the win. Um, one of the things that I kind of had a question on, though, was what do you think about these different strategies and how it affects that end of the race? Because we still had a race to the win. Uh, we still had that battle in the last five laps. But I see so many drivers commenting about, well, the strategy wasn't there for us today. Is it all about strategy or can the driver shine through still? I think right now it's tough with this car and being able to pass. You know, we really didn't see um, passing much today, especially up towards the front. You know, it seemed like when the lead shifted hands, it was because of pit strategy. You know, Rossi had it there after that yellow, which I don't understand why he stayed out just to come back in uh, two to three laps after the, the green flag flew. Um there, there's there's so many uh, like levels and, and, and ways to peel this apart because to go back to Jimmy Johnson or somebody like Devlin DeFrancesco, it's like, okay, what goes around comes around and, and, and maybe there's a time that one of those drivers is, is racing for the win and somebody's in their way. But also, you know, Devlin or Jimmy, or it has happened to everybody. I mean, this has happened to probably every driver at least twice in their career. And it's like, well, I'm still going to race hard to stay on the lead lap. If a yellow comes out, I get to cycle around. Well, we only had one yellow today due to David Malukas uh, hitting, hitting the wall early in the race on lap 22. It just really shows how great the competition level is, the respect these guys have for each other, and that they're just incredible drivers. Will Power mentioned it in the post-race. It's the best open-wheel sport in the world, and it kind of showed today by having 26 cars on a very narrow track, which is the most they've had there in probably 10 to 12 years, and there was only one yellow flag. Um, so yeah, I, I think there needs to be something done where basically, Hey, let's, let's, let's not hold up the leaders. Let's let them go. Um, but yeah, I, overall, I, I thought it was a, an, an entertaining race. Uh, sometimes as we know, street courses get to be a little, um, strung out, I think would be the word for it, especially with, with the green. But yeah, I, I thought it was very tough to pass today. 
And, you know, when you mentioned strategy, shameless plug, check out burnoutsports.com and our Twitter. We had a great conversation with uh, Kara Adams of Firestone yesterday, kind of explaining the differences between the black and the reds. And sometimes your car, you know, late late in a run today, I think you, you wanted to be on blacks um, just because you wanted to have that grip late in the stand is because like I said, there was only one green flag or one green, one yellow flag. So when that green came back out on lap 30, they went 70 straight laps under green. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I still think they're tweaking this car. The aero screen, I still think has a little bit to do with it. Um, but, but we've seen many times these street courses and road courses, um, kind of get strung out and, and it's hard to pass. And unless you have a yellow, which I think based on that IndyCar survey and what you and I have talked about, I don't really want to see a phantom yellow flag uh, to to kind of spice things up, but but then I'm sitting there at the race today going like, okay, this is this is fun, I'm enjoying it, but it would be a lot more interesting if we had a yellow and maybe some guys dove for pit road to put on reds or some guys stayed out and cycled through. So um, I think that's just where we are, and that's where we are in street course racing. Uh, Luke, you watched from home today. James Hinchcliffe back in the booth. Uh, your thoughts on the overall delivery uh, from NBC's broadcast today? Well, I gotta be, uh, <laughs> I gotta be honest. I do miss me some PT. Uh, he always made things a little interesting. You never know what he was gonna say, and I always tend to like that. Uh, but James did a great job. I mean, he's a true professional. Um, one of the things that they pointed out was the temperature, the higher track temperatures weren't playing as kindly as they have in the past at St. Petersburg with the red tires, with the softer tires. So we saw a lot of guys almost avoiding getting on the reds. And um, we saw a few teams really bite the dust with their strategies. Um, and, and I don't know if that's always what was connect the connecting point, but it seemed like guys were trying to avoid the reds. Um, we saw two really disappointing weekends with um, Arrow McLaren with both of their drivers I think we all expected a little bit more out of them, maybe not to, uh, you know, do a double podium or anything like that. Um, but again, those two drivers both quoted themselves or both quoted, it was the wrong end of the strategy today. We found ourselves at the bad end of the strategy. Um, now, I can't remember if they were on a two stop or a three stop, though, because that kind of determines your tire cycle. Yeah, and I actually, so they had a nice little cool party in the park. So basically, St. Petersburg, you, you're surrounded by the ocean. They've got a pretty cool park, and they had some fireworks. I actually ran into Felix last night, and I just said, you know, hey, how you feeling about tomorrow? And he's like, the strategy is going to have to work perfectly for us. So I think they kind of knew, as you mentioned, uh, Pato as well uh, had disappointing days. I thought the Meyer Shank team uh, that I had huge expectations for, as did others. Uh, Pagano looked great. Uh, up until the race, really. I mean, I think he qualified top five, or maybe he was six. I think he was definitely in the Firestone Fast Six, was fourth fastest in practice yesterday. So uh, I was disappointed by that outcome and kind of their first showing as a two-car team uh, with the two former Indianapolis 500 winners. Um, you really didn't really hear much from the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan stable. I know that Lungard had some, some difficulties in qualifying. Uh, Jack Harvey just really wasn't there at all today. Um, I, you know, Graham, you could say had a nice, quiet seventh place finish, but uh, I think he probably expected a little bit more out of that. You know, qualifying wasn't awful for AJ Foyt. I thought Kyle Kirkwood at times this weekend showed that he has what it takes to be the top rookie, as 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 you mentioned in, in previous shows. 
Dalton Kellett, I think he qualified 14th. That's got to be his best career qualifying position. So uh, the results weren't where Foyt wanted it, but they did at least have pace, and it wasn't you know Dalton Kellett two seconds off the pace like I hate to say it, we've kind of grown accustomed to. Um, anybody else? Uh, Alexander Rossi, absolutely disappointing weekend. Um, you know this is this is somebody who has been talked about and talked about and talked about about having bad luck the last two years. Him and Connor Daly both, and Connor was nowhere to be found all weekend either. Um, but but Rossi, you you stay out, and I wasn't listening during the race. I kind of just know what I can see on Twitter when I have service and kind of just my own knowledge. And I'm going, okay, well I can see where maybe he stays out and. Maybe a caution breeds cautions on a street course like that, but it was two laps of green. I think he was right back into the pit. So I really didn't understand that strategy. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on that um, if they were talking about it during the broadcast. Uh, that is one part that kind of went dark for me because I was trying to pay more attention to the the. There was kind of a three a group of three that was on the two stop and a group of three that was on the three stop. And I was really honing in on what Dixon was doing and how he was making his tires last. Cause it paid off decently for him. He just got mired back in eighth place, but yeah, hugely disappointing for Rossi. I, there was one point in the race. I, I think he led 10 laps total where he was looking like old Rossi again. They were looking like old Andretti where they had the speed. He was competitive. Um, I, I think that they just didn't have the tire underneath them. And I think they were trying to hop back onto that three stop, which is ultimately what they did, I believe. But admittedly, Rossi did get lost on me a little bit because I was trying to focus on about six guys. Um, like you said, Connor um, Kirkwood did all right. He got a top 20. It's not bad, you know, as a rookie in a, in a uh, Foyt car. Um, but the other one that stood out to me that was a disappointing showing that I was expecting a lot from on a street course was Joseph Newgarden. He's all the way back in 16th place. Um, you know, he's he's behind the two Meyer Shank guys who finished uh, Castro Neves and, and uh, Pagano finished 14th and 15th, respectively. So he's back there with his old teammates. I don't know if they just missed on the setup or missed on the strategy, but it seems like most of these fast guys that didn't get into the top 10 just totally missed on the tire strategy and uh and the fuel strategy so hated to see that really thought new garden was gonna at least be in the top 10 with the rest of the guys they all qualified all i think all three penske guys qualified in the top 10 so they had the speed there for sure um yeah i, I would I, say I this the too, one that stood out to me yeah i would say colton herda i mean you're gonna look at this and say okay yeah he was fourth but luke you mentioned it so many times you know, he's going to have some DNFs. It seems like he would have been probably in the championship running last year if it wasn't for those DNFs. And I think he would tell you today, finishing, not finishing on the podium, having the pace all weekend, being so good here in the past, fourth place looks good on paper. And, and, and when it comes down to the championship, we may look back and say, yeah, he had a fourth place finish. But he, he, he I, I thought he had definitely had podium pace and could have had a chance for the win today so uh, it's hard to say oh what do you mean he finished fourth why would you be disappointed in that but I, I certainly thought um, Colton Herta would land on the pole or land on the podium excuse me uh, but finishing 11th was Christian Longard you know he was the highest finishing rookie he beat out all or Graham was seventh um, and Jack Harvey was 13th for Ray Hall but I, I didn't think 11th was that bad uh, of a run today for Longard because that car was all over the place yesterday had damage uh, it 
maybe missed part of qualifying, if I'm not mistaken. I thought they were a little bit late to get out there for their round of qualifying. I, I know I walked by, and everybody from Graham's team and Jack's team was over there helping that car out. So uh, a pretty impressive run, I thought, uh, for his first go of it here on the streets of St. Petersburg uh, for Christian Lungard. Uh, I don't know how much you, uh, attention you paid to the ladder series this weekend. So down here at St. Pete, you had pretty much everything you could ever want. You had Indy Lights. You had nonstop action with USF 2000, Pro 2000. Lights race was very exciting. A guy that you know very well, Matty Brabham, picks up the victory. Uh, he came into the media center and was talking about this. Kind of reminded me of Robbie Gordon. So uh, Christian Rashmussen, who moved up uh, with the scholarship to Andretti Autosport, was dominating this race and for me i was going i've never seen i've never been to a race that christian has ran that he hasn't won so i'm thinking to myself oh two laps to go i'm gonna be five for five and i was standing next to my buddy in the pits james black who's a photographer for indycar and i said i've never seen him lose so this will be great and then next thing i know i look up but he's out of fuel and i know people say well how can you run out of fuel when it comes to indy lights you don't pit um yeah, that's going to be something I'm sure is talked about. But let's talk about Matty Brabham, a guy that I gave a lot of credit to on the website last week. Hey, reset your, your racing career. You, you've done great in, in, in those stadium super trucks. Uh, but, but to come back and break through victory circle uh, in the first race of the season, I was very impressed, uh, albeit because of uh, unlucky circumstances for his teammate Rasmussen. But you take the win any way you can get it. Absolutely. And – you know, this is racing. You never know what's going to happen. So the best thing you can do if you don't have the speed to have a first place, second place car is be right behind them. Be ready to pounce because you never know if somebody's going to hit the wall, if somebody's going to have something go terribly wrong with their strategy um, like we saw today. But yeah, we were talking about Matty Brabs last week and commending him. And obviously it's paying off. This is the equivalent of going to the NBA, being on a subpar team, and then kind of getting cut and never getting another shot again and going back to college hoops and re-enrolling re in school. What a move. Um, I, I love stories like this. I think it's so great that he just never gave up. Um, when I was working for the two-seat IndyCar guys, he would – do that grind where he'd be out there all day sweating, giving people rides on the two-seater, just anything to be behind the wheel, and then obviously kicking ass in the uh, in what we call the jumpy trucks lovingly in Robbie Gordon's series. And I saw that tweet that he said something about, I'm Robbie Gordon and I'm taking this place over now, or something to that effect in the media center. So he's having fun, and that's a dangerous combination if you're relaxed, if you're having fun, and you don't have to worry about the ego thing because I don't think he has one. I think he has the right kind of mindset where he doesn't care if his path reflects the normal path of a successful race driver. He's going to keep keeping his foot in the door, keeping his right foot on the gas. And I think it's going to make a lot of people look up and say, hey, he's a fighter. He's not going to give up. That says a lot about your character. When you face adversity, do you find another way or do you walk away? He's finding another way. So congrats to him on that first race. And then USF 2000, we saw Miles Rowe. Um, I've been following him on social media. He's he's doing some interesting stuff, some kind of artistic stuff, some style shoots. Um, I think he's at Ocean by MR. And then 
he's winning races too. So look out for this kid with the uh, Force Indy package coming up through the ranks. Yeah, I actually uh, had a chance, and somebody asked me uh, this morning on the grid about Miles, and I said I've had him on the podcast. He is a great conversation, very well spoken. Um, and then I ran into Miles after the race, uh, congratulated him. And, you know, I, I said, you know, just out of curiosity, how many, you know, are you full season? Because that hasn't been announced yet. He goes, as of right now, we don't have anything past that Birmingham race. And I said, well, all you can do is go out and win races then and, 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 and show people and sponsors that you belong. And that was very cool to see today. Uh, he was very excited for that victory. Some other news and notes from the weekend that I kind of gathered. Um, I love St. Pete. It's, it, it's, it's a great place. With street courses, you really don't get to see a lot of the track, but uh, they did a pretty good job of having um, as many bleachers as possible and in, in, in turns and good spots where you can see some good action. Uh, that, that The bleachers right there, uh, right outside of turn one, where they're coming right at you. Uh, I posted a video to Burnout Sports on Twitter, um, so check that out. So um, it, it, it was a blast. It, it was hot. There were so many fans, as I mentioned, uh, with the Grosjean thing earlier, but there was just so many fans uh, this weekend, and I was just so impressed and I was talking to one member of Andretti Autosport today, a crew member, and he said, I mean, we were we were walking through 10 minutes before the national anthem, and there was you, you could barely walk. I mean, I lost Jared, our producer, and he was behind me one second, and I walked like five feet four. I looked back, couldn't find him because there were just swarms of people. So that's obviously good to see, especially for St. Pete and for IndyCar, because Will Power said it best, he's... We have the best product in the world racing-wise right now. We just need to continue to grow and let people know that. Um, Saw Ezekiel Elliott today at the Dallas Cowboys. I think he gave the command for the Indy Lights race and was walking around. Uh, Saw Colts defensive specialist uh, Kenny Moore walking around today. We know that he's a big fan and is pretty good friends with uh, Pato Award. That was cool to see. So when you have celebrities, there are some gold medalists there from the Summer Olympics as well. So when celebrities get involved and people want to be a part of that, uh, it's only going to do nothing but continue to grow the series. So um, I had a blast in St. Petersburg. Um, it's just a great place. It's a great place for the race, and everything's been um, been been perfect all weekend. I mean, besides being having my lanyard tan, I don't know if you could tell on my neck, uh, <laughs> but that's what we all have in May, right? We all have that lanyard tan going on. So. Luke Edwards, Tony Donahue, the IndyCar Show, BurnoutSports.com. Scott McLaughlin gets the first win of the season, his first career win. Luke, we'll let you wrap it up here with some final thoughts here on episode number four. Yeah, um, I actually had some family call me that were, were down at the race, and they're very casual fans, if you even call them fans. They go to the 500. But uh, they were standing up on the truck that held the video monitor across from the main straightaway stands, and they were running all around. They're just on the phone calling us every caution. So they said the atmosphere was electric. I think that's what we need. The atmosphere needs to feel fun. It needs to be a party. And then a race in the middle of that party. IndyCar is doing a great job of, of getting that atmosphere there. And from TV, man, that place looked packed. So I'm glad to hear that it felt the same way. Um, I always love a big event. It always makes me feel more at home. I know Nashville had an electric atmosphere around it last year, too. So hopefully I'll come down there. I'll join you guys maybe next year. I haven't been to St. Pete yet. Um, the coverage I thought was really great, except it cut off right at the end. So outside of the Victory Circle interview, um, 
I was really wanting to see this guy run around and be excited and hear from Will Power and hear from Palo afterwards. Uh, it sounds like you got a chance to go to the media center and hear all that too. So uh, glad glad that we were able to share that with everybody from our burnout sports pages. Um, but yeah, I just the only thing I'm sad about now is that we have to wait weeks and weeks. It feels like an eternity before we get to go back on track. And uh, what a weird feeling that the next race is Texas Motor Speedway. It feels like we usually have two or three in between uh, St. P and Texas. Yeah, my final thoughts on a weekend, um, you know, for me and, and with everything that's been going on the last year or two where a lot of this stuff has taken place elsewhere, it was just great to be back in a paddock and, and talking to people, seeing people saying hello to, to drivers that I hadn't seen in a while or crew members that I know of. I uh, got to talk to Buddy Rice for a while. Dario was down there. Um, talked to Ari Leyendijk a little bit, Derek Daly. So, um, and, j- and just just being back and then seeing the electric atmosphere that, like you said, even the casual fans brought. I mean, I, I saw a group of people that were decked out in aero gear and award. <laughs> it's kind of funny story. Before the race, was walking into a porter potty. And it was locked because Felix Rosenquist's teammate was in one and Jimmy Johnson was in the other. So Battle runs down and then runs all the way back. And these fans were like, oh, oh, can I get a selfie? And he's like, well, yeah, hurry up real quick, real quick, real quick. And uh, then he hopped over the fence to get back in. So it was it was just cool to be back. Uh, St. <laughs> Pete's a beautiful place. The track was great. But like you said, it, it it's uh, a little disappointing that we got to wait a few more weeks to get to Texas. Uh, one last thing too, and, and this kind of has to do with, um, you know, just the last couple of years and, and how things are covered. I never really got a chance to meet Scott McLaughlin. Um, and just his, obviously after you win and you win your first career race, you're going to be in a great mood, but, um, he just has an awesome personality and he's a lot of fun. He's well-spoken. He likes to speak his mind. Uh, he talks about how he hadn't seen his parents in two years and how his dad, um, absolutely was yelling at the TV today and going crazy. I think it was four, three or four in the morning uh, where they live over in Australia. And he said he hadn't seen them since early 2020. Uh, but he just, you know, he, he was, he was, he was, he said, I'm a little shocked. You know, I'm a little surprised that I won this race and it's going to take a while to, to sit in. And they asked him, you know, are you a championship contender now? And he said, well, I'd like to win a couple more races before we discuss that. That's obviously the goal, but he, he's like, I also kind of like the underdog role, so I'm going to stick with that. So uh, McLaughlin, as, as you mentioned, just needed some, um, some, some, some help and some confidence on these, on these street courses. And now he's the front runner for that, uh, that, that $1 million for people ready. And honestly, after finishing second at Texas last year, you know, we know he's got the car to do it now. So he's obviously the front runner through week one. He's going to move up into our power rankings for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean that Luke, uh, your thoughts on that. I know that he's not too far out of the realm now because he ran well at Texas and if he could go somewhere like road America or mid Ohio and pick up a victory, you never know. I mean, that's still a team Penske car and he proved today that he can, you know, sometimes you wait for somebody to prove that they can win a race, like win a race first and then I'll start picking you. Uh, and, and now he has, so I think that's a huge confidence booster moving forward here in 2022. Yeah, and uh, Texas can be a bit of a crapshoot because we never know what the surface is exactly going to be like. And uh, <laughs> I think I think uh, with that second place finish, he has the confidence on ovals, specifically that one. And now he's got the confidence because he won a race. I think that's why we always wait to see that because you see the trend in the team and the driver. 
when their confidence when their confidence gets high, then they start rolling fast. They don't question themselves quite as much. Um, I think we saw that a lot with uh, Renus VK this week too. So look out for him. He did pretty well in the ovals last year, um, especially Indy. He was up front pretty much all day. Um, and he kind of put that whole injury behind him and all the questions behind him with a solid top 10 run today. So I'd say definitely look out for Scott McLaughlin. He's the story going into Texas. And like you said, I think he's definitely the front runner because he can do it everywhere now. So watch out. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I had an article a few weeks ago here on the website about Renus being renewed and getting back to where he was before that injury, uh, where he had a string of what, I think the six of the first seven races last year, he had a top 10, uh, so that's that's uh, off to the right start so far here in 2022. BurnoutSports.com, the IndyCar Show. Thanks so much for listening. Luke, what's coming up at the museum here over the next couple of weeks? Well, we've got some more exhibits coming. Um, so if you want to catch the Rocket Rick Mears exhibit and see his four Indy 500 winning cars, make sure to get over there in the next few months because uh, that's going to be closing at the end of March. Um, we're going to have a new exhibit. Uh, we haven't announced it yet, but it's going to have a lot of cars in it. And it's kind of the uh, golden era of racing. Um, so, yeah, just keep in touch with us. Obviously, Burnout Sports on, on Twitter, Instagram, all the social media channels and burnoutsports.com. But give the museum a follow if you're not already. We're trying to take you more behind the scenes with our restoration department, too. So I get a hangout where they're taking the cars apart and uh, and kind of dive into the, the old school stuff. Um, give you guys some views of things you haven't seen. So um, follow me on here as well, because I'm going to sneak some pictures and stuff while I'm uh, hanging out with Poppy and the restoration team. Well, we appreciate it, Luke. As always, race number one in the book of the 2022 season from St. Petersburg, Florida. Scott McLaughlin is your winner. Be on the lookout for more this week. BurnoutSports.com will have some Awesome clips from Kara Adams, who is with Firestone. A uh, very educational piece on the tires and kind of how you know Firestone runs the series, if you think about it, in a lot of ways um, and, and puts safe tires underneath these drivers. For our producer, Jared Sparkman and Luke Edwards, I'm Tony Donahue. Thanks so much for listening to Burnout, BurnoutSports.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And we'll have you covered when it comes to all things IndyCar here throughout 2022.